This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 197, Yoga for Grief. We all go through grief, some smaller losses and some life-altering ones. If you're going through a hard time or if you'd like to help someone else that you know that is in the thick of it, today's episode is for you. For this episode, I sat down with Paul Denniston. Paul is the founder of Grief Yoga and the author of Healing Through Yoga, Transform Loss into Empowerment. We sat down today to talk about how to use yoga to channel and release anger, how to use it to allow unresolved grief, a compassionate space to breathe and move through you. His gentle work creates a safe space of movement and healing to transform trauma and to connect to the resilient, loving warrior within. Paul has thought and trained this practice to thousands of therapists, counselors, yoga teachers, and healthcare professionals around the world. If this episode helps you in any way, please share it and help someone else on their journey. You can leave a review on iTunes to help them find the episode of the podcast in general. I promise it really, really helps. Or you can share your takeaways on social media. I always love to read your takeaways and your comments on the episode. So if you share on social, make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast. All right, if you're curious about how to use movement, breath, and sound to release pain and suffering and to connect to empowerment and love, let's get to today's episode with Paul. Hi, Paul. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we're sitting and chatting. This episode was requested by one of our listeners. So guys, when you listen to the podcast and you're like, I wish they were talking about XYZ, send me an email, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm always happy to track down who I think is the best person to talk about this subject for you guys. So thank you if you're the one who requested this episode on Instagram. Paul, can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself for people that don't know you yet here on the podcast, about yourself and your journey? Absolutely. Well, I am originally from Texas, and my father was a Southern Baptist minister, and my mama was a Christian school teacher. (laughs) And I remember when I was growing up, you know, we weren't really taught to deal or express challenging emotions, whether they be sadness or anger. You know, a lot of the times it was like, you know, just focus on being blessed and grateful, right? Okay. Which wasn't very realistic in my mind and eyes because I would deal with these challenging emotions and didn't know what to do with it. I remember isolating as a kid and I would eat a lot. I was a very heavy little kid. And I would notice how my father would also bottle up anger and all of a sudden it would explode and it would be frightening for us to witness. And then I noticed how I would also react in that way too with being bullied as a kid. Mm. And until I noticed how the anger would just erupt and it would like take over and it would scare me. And the challenging emotion of sadness itself, too, was very hard. So I would numb out with it with food. But then as I became older, I certainly turned to drugs and sex and alcohol to numb out these challenging emotions. And I really felt like I wanted to run away from sadness, from grief and loss. And the ironic thing is, is as much as I was trying to run away from it, I really realized how much it was kind of in me and in my body. Mm. And I remember at one point, it was probably in my late 20s, I was like, I have to do something about this because what it was showing up for me was anxiety. 
and the anxiety was increasing. And I was like, I need to find more peace. So people would be like, you know, go to a yoga class. And so I was like, okay, let me try this yoga out. And I remember going into a yoga class and I could feel my body shaking probably because it was like a teapot that was just kind of like, you know, boiling and there was no release in it. And I remember also like comparing myself to other people, probably what I was doing in my real life too. And just all of a sudden going, you know, you're not good enough. And I remember the yoga teacher coming over to me and saying, you know, it's okay to rest. There was this moment of kindness that dropped me to my knees. And I remember having this release within the class that my body was needing it. And it was the compassionate space of yoga that allowed me to enter into that space. And as I continued the path of being a student, I was also a big place of like, let's teach what you need to learn. So I became a yoga teacher, but I was also immersed within my own decades use of addiction. And so I was also in that place too, where my sister, who was my best friend growing up, she got cancer and I saw her journey of dealing with cancer. And I started to notice how I was going to yoga classes to help me to process my grief and my loss. From my background, I was a movement teacher. I would teach movement to actors to help them to become more expressive, to help find deeper connection within themselves and others. And from a yoga teacher perspective, as I started to become a teacher of yoga through Hatha, Vinyasa, Kundalini Yoga, Laughter Yoga, Restorative Yoga, I also started to bring in the element of somatic movement that I was teaching with actors. And I started to blend them together for a specific experience that really was focused on how do we take the suppressed emotions that we carry, that we hold onto and the body remembering, how can we find a compassionate and empowering way to move it through that can help us to remember with more love? It's been a powerful journey for me personally, too, because this now I've been 10 years sober, and it has helped me to recognize my own grief and my own loss, seeing my sister pass away, my stepson pass away, dealing with the shame and the guilt from addiction. And it's helped me to learn how to be with it and move with it in a greater way that has allowed more peace and joy and meaning to come into my life. Oh, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a part of me that's like, I hope I'm not talking too much, but I'm no, just like, finish, great. finish the story. <laughs> First, congrats on 10 years sober. Um, it's actually my ninth year sober anniversary today. Myself. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So there's so much in here that I want to come back and talk about before we kind of dig in into all those pieces. I just want to take a second to talk about grief itself and how you mentioned it being one of the most difficult emotion with sadness and loss in general for yourself. But I just want for us to talk about the fact that grief is not only the death of a loved one. And people might not necessarily think that this episode is for them, but maybe it is, even if they haven't lost someone recently or they feel like that is done. Grief is about 
change. And it's about an unwanted, perhaps, change that came. That change can happen from a place of physical change. Maybe we've had a traumatic fall. It could be just the disappointment that life didn't turn out the way that I Mm. hoped it would. Yeah, the grief of a dream. The grief of the dream that will never be. I certainly felt a lot of grief being in a place of disconnection. And that's literally why I would turn to drugs and alcohol to kind of like find a way to find more happiness. And yet it was kind of like I was numbing out the sadness. So I believe that grief is an expression of love, but it's almost like there's a disconnection that happens within it. Maybe the disconnection is with someone or something. Maybe it's the loss of a home. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of a friend. So it's those changes in life that are hard to process where sadness starts to show up. I'm a believer that grief doesn't need a lot of time. It does need dedicated time and space because what happens is it does get stuck in the body. It gets stored in the body when we don't give ourselves the space to feel it, to breathe with it, and to move with it. Yeah. And I also think for me, one example that you did not mention is betrayal. Betrayal. There's a grief and a loss in betrayal because of the dream or like the expectation of what you thought things were going to be with that person or how things were going to turn out or the promises that were made. And that there's a grief of that promise with the betrayal as well. That I don't think we think about that with grief very often. I think of it as anger, actually. I think that anger from the betrayal, from the hurt, I believe that that anger, like any emotion, it needs that motion. And I think that what happens a lot of the time when we feel that anger is as we're taught to push it down to suppress it. I certainly, my sister would share a little bit about how, you know, hey, good girls aren't supposed to be angry. I was taught for myself that tapping in and holding that anger and moving it through could be destructive towards others. And I noticed that when it didn't get released, it stayed inside of myself, which created a lot of tension and pain and hurt. So I believe that anger can be a healthy fuel that if when we use it in a compassionate space, we can say in some ways enough is enough, but I do believe it needs that motion Mm -hmm. to move through. Totally agree. So talking about the motion and you described grief in the body, if we're not doing anything about it as being stuck or stored. So how does it affect our mind and our body if we don't do anything about it? If we pretend it's not there, we repress it, we bottle it up. What's going on? What can we notice as a consequence of that? Well, we think about the concept of what yoga means, and yoga means union, mind, body, and spirit. And so I think that in many ways, in that place of grief, there is a place of disconnection, but it shows up within our body. Let's even just take, for instance, our mind. Grief brain is definitely a thing that people talk about. It's hard to concentrate Sometimes what I even look at it is, is it's our critical mind that we become cruel to ourselves or cruel to others. Self-doubt and worries can start to show up. Perhaps we might go into the what ifs. What if I would have done this? I should have done this. Guilt, regret, like. 
guilt and regrets. And within our mind, it can sometimes create sleepless nights. I think it can get stuck within our neck. It can be challenging to express what we want and need. And I think that a lot of people, it can get stuck within the throat. It can live in our shoulders. Sometimes, you know, we can feel like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. And certainly that anxiety can really hold a lot of tension in our shoulders. It can live within our chest. I think that within our chest and in our heart, we carry a lot of love there. But, you know, our heart can also feel that intense sadness, can feel broken at times. I think that tension and trauma can live within the stomach. When loss and change happens, it can be hard to process these challenging emotions. And so deep insecurities can come up within the stomachs. Maybe it's knots, maybe it's tension in our stomach. We have stomach issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of suppressed emotions live within the hips. You know, I know that within the hips, it can be a, a great place for pleasure and creativity, but we can also carry a lot of suppressed emotion like trauma and guilt within the hips too. So it really shows up within the body. And I believe that we all grieve differently mm-hmm. and it affects our body in different ways. Yeah, but that gives listeners a good place to start to like look at like, am I feeling this in my body? Am I having these experiences in my mind? Is this relating to grief? Like starting to do this self-study questioning of like, is my experience, you know, what can I label this? Because then it's easier to kind of take steps from there. And if thinking about the concept of grief doesn't identify with you in the body, you could, as a way to go into there, where does pain live in your body? Could be physical pain, it could be emotional pain, whatever that pain is. Start to get curious about where does pain live in the body? And beneath that pain, perhaps, is a sense of grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. And then from there, once we know that information, how can yoga help us with all of these things? You've already mentioned in the intro, so I wanted to coming back to that to bring a little bit more peace, a little bit more compassion, to help you process those emotions. That might be more like the somatic side. But for you, how are you using yoga? How are you teaching yoga with that in mind? I use yoga to help me to become present, to quiet my mind. And the practice that I use within grief yoga is expressed and goes through what's called a cycle of compassionate transformation. So this is the work that I do within grief yoga. So the first step is about awareness, awareness of our breath, awareness of our sensations within our body, and how can we begin to move the body in safe ways to move the spine to help us to get present. So that's always the first step. We want to create that sense of safety. The second step in this cycle is about expression. An expression, we use movement, breath, and sound to take whatever the struggle, the pain is, it could be betrayal, it could be the hurt, it could be the anger, whatever that is, and we channel it using movement, breath, and sound with intentional movements here to move the pain through. The next step is about connection, and connection is compassionate ways to witness and hold space for the pain but also flowing meditations that help to open the heart to create space for grief bursts or love bursts to happen. And they are flowing meditations that embody love, gratitude, and grace. 
The next step within the class is about a place of surrender. It's normally what you would see perhaps at the end of a yoga class. It's where you soften. It's where you get into your body. It's where you start to open the hips. It's where you begin to calm the body down, ways to stretch, restorative ways. And then the last step within a grief yoga practice is things that are interminced within the class itself, but it focuses on evolution. And evolution is a focus on this loss, this change. I am different afterwards. And so within this how can I move forward? Mm. And this is a practice that focuses on techniques using movement, breath, and sound that help to focus more on perseverance, play, and purpose. And so this is the cycle that kind of is the process of what grief yoga is. That's amazing. It's so interesting how it's very similar to what I teach. I teach a lot of emotion processing because my specialty as a somatic yoga teacher is for highly sensitive women. And when you're highly sensitive and you're told most of your life that it's not okay to be this sensitive, you tend to repress your emotions, right? You tend to hide to, to do all these things. So this is a big part of what I teach. And without knowing exactly what you're doing, it's basically the same. It's just a little bit of other words. It's packaged slightly differently, you know, but it starts with awareness. It goes into expression. The connection part for me comes a little bit before actually the expression. I do like the connection before the expression, but it's very similar. And then there's a surrender, which for me is like acceptance. <laughs> so like the same, same, you know, same, same. And then we call in the opposite. So here evolution for you, you're focusing on like moving forward because of grief can feel so like stopping your life in a sense, right? Making you really feel stuck. So there's evolution where what I focus on is the opposite, whatever the opposite you want in your life of like what you've been repressing, you want to feel more of. So if it's more joy, more love, more connection, we'll work towards that. But it's the same kind of curve bell that like we both go through. So that's super, super interesting. Would you give an example for people that are like, okay, like, if I want to go through this myself, particularly for the expression stage of things, something they could do with their body, with their voice or with their breath, something you like, you go to very often that you find is helpful. What could they try just to see what it feels like to actually express in a setting that feels safe for them, maybe? Yeah, totally. There's many different techniques. And one of the things that I do is it's an intentional movement focused on specific things. So like there are some things that I do, which one technique is called the cannon breath. And it's where you bring fists right to your belly. And the breath in it is three inhales through the nose and then exhale out the mouth with sound. So that's bringing the attention down to the belly. It's bringing fists to the belly. I would inhale exhale out the mouth. Okay. There's another technique that I do too called breaking the chains. And it's a little bit about embodying where it is that you feel stuck. And from a seated position, I'm literally bringing my hands in front of me. My arms are parallel in front of my chest and I have my fists tight and I connect a little bit to where am I feeling stuck in this moment. And I take a deep inhale and then I push my elbows back Oh, and I begin to open the chest. You'll notice I'm bringing a lot of sound in here too with the size oh, to start to move suppressed emotion through. 
Another technique that sometimes I'll start to incorporate is what's called the releasing the why. And it's literally where I bring my hands in front of my face and my palms facing myself. And my hands are like right in front. And I just say the words here, why? And I'll continue, why? Why? Sometimes I'll invite people to bring their hands up towards the sky and to start to say, why? And one of the things that starts to do within that, you'll see that what's happening in here is expression is using movement, breath, and sound to take whatever that struggle and that pain is and to move it through in an empowering way. And so once you start to do the repetition of some of those techniques, a release can start to happen, which is what the intention is. The intention is, I think of it sometimes like, let's say we have a cup, right? And in this cup, sometimes we have stored emotion that we don't express. And what we're trying to do with an expression, start to try to empty it. Because what I'm going to invite us to do then after it's emptied is, what can we fill it up with? Things that can start to lift our heart, things of love, grace, and gratitude. But first, let's empty out what is no longer serving us. So some of those expression techniques are just little ideas of how we're taking some of the struggle and the pain and moving it through. Now, like you talked about betrayal, there's another technique that I have that's called the wood chopper. Mm. Love a good wood chopper. Yeah, like I interlace the fingers together, like I'm holding a powerful like axe, and I imagine there's a piece of wood that's right in front, and I inhale through the nose, and I lift the arms up, and then I bring the hands down with a powerful, like I'm chopping that piece of wood. That's just another example of some of those techniques. Yeah, that feels so good. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Chopping that piece of wood? Come on. Yeah, if you want to work anger, frustration, betrayal, all of this kind of emotion, it's such a good release for sure. It's such a good way to express it. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> for people that are like, okay, like I hear you, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> What can you say to people that feel, we're joking around, but that people that feel hesitant, that's a way that they will cope with their grief or like that it's okay to do so or that it's not going to like bring them in a stage of spiraling out and down and they get stuck forever in it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fear about starting to express. Yeah, 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 totally. For those who are like, I don't think this is my cup of tea, then for you, I would just say, Good job. Look, here's the thing. There are many different types of things that can support us and that help us. So this is just a place where we're using movement, breath, and sound to express it. So it's for you to get curious about what supports you. Maybe your expression is going for an intense run. Maybe yours is going into kickboxing. Maybe your sense of expression can be through songwriting or painting. I don't know. It's all personal for us. You know, what is your way of expression? All this is in some ways is, is an invitation to get curious about what am I suppressing here? Am I suppressing sadness? Am I expressing anger? Am I suppressing happiness and joy? And to start to find ways of what are healthy ways to begin to move it through and to get curious about what are the things that support you. And I believe in having a toolkit that has many different things. So I can always turn to, you know, if I'm not feeling this today, oh, I can go and focus on that. So that's how I believe in it. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. Let's say that they're willing. They're like, okay, like I think that would help, but like I don't really want to feel my grief. Like I'd rather not. <laughs> Who does? Who does? <laughs> but here's the thing. If I'm going to choose to love in this life, then grief is a companion to it. Grief is a part of it. Now, here's the thing, and I speak from experience. You can run away or suppress it as much as you want. Lord knows I did it for decades, and I numbed it out. And the fact of the matter is is that I didn't want to feel it, and yet it just got stuck inside of me. All we're wanting to do is, is to find a way to be with it and to move it through. Because in some ways, it will allow the space for more love to happen, you know, for more peace to happen. So for those who are like, I don't know if I want to go into my grief and loss, I get it. But if we're looking to experience a meaningful life, this is a thing that we need to like befriend or be with. I think of that movie. I love that movie Inside Out. And you know how like with sadness, everybody was wanting sadness to be something different. And it wasn't until Joy finally was able to just be with sadness, to breathe with sadness. It actually, they learned to have a relationship with one another. And so for those who are like, I don't want to be with my sadness, I will share with you this. Because I was able to be with it and to hold it and to move with it, it has actually created more authentic happiness in my life that I wasn't connected to before when I was running away from it. I absolutely agree. And this is why I wanted us to talk about this a little bit, because I believe if you want to experience love, you have to be willing to risk betrayal. You have to be willing to risk loss. You have to be willing to risk all these things. If you want to experience full joy, you have to be willing to experience sadness. Like I actually don't think we can numb selectively what we experience. Like when we start to numb, we might have an intention on one emotion, but I think as we numb, we numb it all. And it's a bit like a pendulum where like, if you can go very far onto one end of joy, you might experience very far on the opposite end as well. But you know that you can go back and have that experience of this immense bliss that is also available to you. If you start to close that pendulum because you're numbing, then your capacity for joy is a lot smaller because your allowing of sadness is a lot smaller. And you're kind of rubbing yourself from experiences and what it means to be human in a way. Right. And can lead to a place of numbness and a place of depression. And so it's when we allow ourselves to sometimes really go there and feel and release the betrayal and release the anger and to hold space and to feel and breathe and move with the sadness. Yes, it does create the space to say, oh, happiness and joy has a little more space here too. And that's how I choose to live this life. I've learned how to be in a life that was numb and depressed and running away. And I'm going to choose this life. And I got to tell you, it's hard sometimes. There's a lot of pain and there's a lot of struggle. You know, I have 
been betrayed in my life and I have been the betrayer and there have been some amazing lessons that I've learned in it. So I want to continue to show up and to be with these challenging emotions because they're part of what this is about. And yoga has taught me that from a compassionate space, how to be with it and to move with it. And it just makes my life a little bit more meaningful. And full. And full. Yeah. 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 I love that. For our listeners that are yoga teachers and they would like to focus on grief, this is something that really speaks to them. They have their own experience, whatever it is. Are there any specific like ethical consideration or challenges they should think about or know about before they kind of go down this route? I think that if you are interested in working with grief and loss, I think that first off, you know, I think it's important for us to become centered, whether we're holding space for ourselves or we are holding space for another. I think getting centered, and when I say centered, what I mean is, is in the midst of the storm, whether it's storm within or witnessing the storm, focusing on what are the resources that are supporting us now and that and for that i'm talking about being grounded finding our foundation i'm talking about our breath to get us present and sometimes i will place my hands right on my belly on my core on my solar plexus as a way of centering me finding that place of centering is always helpful whether we're witnessing it within ourselves or witnessing it within another For those who are wanting to hold space and are wanting to help or be of service to others in grief and loss, one of the most powerful tools that you can do is actually just breathing with them and witnessing them. Sometimes people are like, I don't know what to say to them. And part of what you can do is is to just even say, I don't know if I have the words to say anything here, but I just want you to know that I'm here with you and I'm breathing with you. And I might ask a question then that could help them to have their grief witnessed. That's really part of what the healing process is, is to have that grief and that loss witnessed. So even just asking powerful questions can be something that you can do. I think that inviting them to get curious about how is it affecting your body? Where is it affecting your body? That starts to get them curious about where is it living? And then certainly as a yoga teacher and as the founder of Grief Yoga, I then say, let's go on a little bit of a movement journey that can kind of take them through it. It's a little bit of like, from a safe perspective, we're going to channel and move that shadow challenge out so we can witness and remember with more love. So I, from a place where I was like, I can be with this, I can be with my own grief and loss, I can be it and I can witness it. But I also, from a yoga perspective, also know that balance is important too. And balance includes a place of doing something. And so is there something that we can do with these challenging emotions to help them to move them through? So that's part of the journey that I find. Yeah, because you train teachers as well, right? I do. I yeah. do. Yes. I love that because in a way it's super simple. And even for people that are listening that are not yoga teachers or that don't want to teach yoga for grief, but are yoga teachers, this applies to anyone. Like if you have someone in your life that's grieving and we'll at some point always have someone in our life that's grieving and how we can just 
be there, witness, hold space and learn to do that. And I think this can apply in so many areas of our life. And it doesn't have to be only with grief, but becoming a good listener and becoming a safe space for someone else. It's such a blessing. And I think also to think about one of the things sometimes people are scared to say something for people in grief, or they might say the wrong thing. And one of the things I would just recommend too is is to not start a sentence with at least. You know, maybe it could be at least they're not sick anymore, or at least they died quickly. Or anytime that you say the word at least at the beginning of the sentence, what's happening then is, is you're minimizing their pain. You're kind of trying to get them to see a silver lining. So just become aware of when you're saying at least and to just focus more on listening, mirroring back what they're saying so they can feel witnessed. Yeah, I think it's just taking off the hat that you have to fix it. Because that idea, when you're saying at least, it's like you're trying to comfort them. You're trying to fix it in a way, make it better for them in the way by showing that silver lining. But if you can be in the space and truly just hold space and witness, then it's none of your business to fix it. Like it's not your job. It's not your role right now. And I think that's very powerful for not only grief, but all the ways that our partners share with us, that our friends share with us about what they're going on, our family members. And when they want to share, they're not necessarily, they might be, but they might voice that, but normally they're not asking you to fix it for them. And that's the crazy thing about it. I mean, coming from a male perspective, I was always taught I needed to fix something or do something. And so one of the most powerful things is about actually, there's a lot of healing presence in just being, just breathing, witnessing that actually, especially with someone is struggling, that's where the healing is. Yeah. I do believe that there's a time for solutions, but I also do believe that there's a time where we just need permission to feel and just to be in it. And that's part of the expressing that, you know, we were talking in the steps. And if you're there with someone else, if you're not giving solutions, you're giving them permission to express. If you're giving them solutions that are not ready, the message that is often received is it's not okay for you to feel this or like this. Let's fix it. And that's not helpful if you're already struggling and expressing. Like you need someone that's just like, okay, go ahead and express. Like not in these words, but energetically, it's fine. You can express. I'm here for it. And some people are afraid, like what you had mentioned before about I'm afraid to go into the grief or the sadness, because sometimes people are like, I'm afraid that I might never stop crying. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just know that I've certainly had some dark nights of the soul. And I also know that every dark night will lead to the dawn. And so in my years of experience, as I have kind of shared this, life is made of hills and valleys, and it's okay to be in the valley. And a lot of the times the darkness will eventually turn into light. And so I do believe that if we give ourselves the place to be with it, it actually has the space to move through. Mm -hmm. And I do think, too, that if we're talking about what loss is about or grief is about, which is about disconnection, where can you find the connection? Connection with others, connection with community, being with other people. I think that finding that place of connection outside of yourself can be a big helpful support for us too. Yeah, that is a great tip. I love that. 
Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaway that you want listeners to leave with, or if there's one thing that maybe we haven't talked about that you think is important we talk about before we finish, what would that be? You know how you mentioned about the opposites of things? I think that's very important to recognize that I think that in the sense of gentleness and tenderness of what we're going through, what can also still live and exist is a sense of perseverance and power that I think that they both can live. I think in the place of grief and loss, I include laughter yoga in a grief yoga class because I think it's a fine line between laughter and tears. But I also believe in those opposites, it does create that sense of balance. So if you're finding that you might be a little imbalanced in your life, start to focus on how can I be with what is, but tend to say, and what's on the other side of the seesaw that can kind of bring a little bit more balance that I can lean into. I'm always kind of curious about and looking at that for myself too. It's a lifelong journey, isn't it? It is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is that we always experience new things, you know, like we kind of level up and we're like, oh, now I can deal with all of this. And then life throws something new. And you're like, oh, now I have to learn how to deal with this new thing. And we just continue to learn. And it's beautiful because it would be kind of boring if we were all done. Then what? It's beautiful. And sometimes it's kind of dirty and ugly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe a little bit of all of that. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, what it means to be a human, basically. Like, it's all right. Isn't that the truth right there? That's right. Yeah. I will put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they have more questions, they want to work with you in some way, or they want to study with you? Where do they go? What's going on in your life right now? Yeah. Griefyoga.com. That's where you can reach out to me. There's lots of different resources that are there to support you. If you're going, what kind of experience is this? There's a free class that you can access there. Lovely. If you're a yoga teacher, a couple of resources that can support you. First off, you can check out my book, Healing Through Yoga, healingthroughyoga.com. I think it's like on sale for such a cheap price on Amazon right now. So you're welcome to like purchase it there and you get a free online companion course when you purchase it at healingthroughyoga.com. So if you're a yoga teacher and you're like, I'd like to kind of like see what this is about and tap into some resources, you can check out that. And there's also trainings that I do, whether it's a grief yoga teacher training or grief movement training for therapists and counselors. So griefyoga.com, check it out there. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. This was a very lovely conversation. I'm excited for listeners to dig in. I loved talking with you, Erica. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you, you can pass it on and help someone else by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave a review to say thank you, I give you access to our premium podcast membership for free for a full month. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 197. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Thank you, guys. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday.